All right, what's going on, y'all? Uh, my name is Technology. This is episode two of the Soul Society podcast. Today we have Rhythm J and Kato nope. on the track here live in the place to be. What up? So one of the first things I wanted to touch on, um, mainly because it is a different avenue that I believe I'm just getting into now and that, you know, both of you guys have, have had some experience in is uh, music licensing and, you know, getting your beats out to different avenues rather than hunting placements all day and, you know, continuously struggling with not building with artists and sending the perpetual emails out to random email inboxes and stuff. Whereas submitting to, you know, TV and film and, you know, other avenues like that. Um, if you guys want to touch on your experiences with that and the importance of it that you feel. Go ahead, Kato. Yeah, awesome. well, it's funny we're talking about licensing because, you know, I'm I'm kind of heavy into the online, uh, online beat sales and online beat licensing, which has been something that I've been trying to go hard with for the past, you know, six months or so. Um, but Abe is a good friend of mine. He runs BeatStars, which is like one of the biggest, probably the biggest online beat selling platform. And so when we talk about licensing in that aspect, I think it's something that I, I shied away from early in my career just because I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit and I'm protective of my music. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we live in a different age now where the name of the game is not so much to try and become, you know, a, a super producer like Pharrell. I think the name of the game is to get your music out there as much as possible. And so with just the way that the, the whole producer market and the whole beat market is so saturated in 2017, you have to just, you have to get your music out there as much as possible if you want to build a brand and, and get your name out. So. I think beat licensing was an easy route for me to go. I mean, it just made the most sense um, to, to kind of help establish my name and, and, you know, leverage my credibility from the artists that I've worked with to selling beats online. And it's become a big revenue stream for me at the same time. So, you know, the money's undeniable. I've obviously seen a lot of, um, a lot of growth in my in my brand and my name from licensing my beats online and of course you're gonna have artists who suck who are gonna be rapping on your beats but so advertise those <laughs> yeah i mean that just kind of comes with the territory it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to control that now because you know if i upload my music to, to my youtube channel Anyone can anyone can rip your shit straight off of YouTube. I mean, it's not hard to do. So mm -hmm. I stopped. I kind of overcame that barrier of becoming too sensitive about my shit to put make it available to everyone. And ever since I did that, I think it's it's really helped my career grow in a lot of ways. So, so I mean, just to try and segue to what Kato was saying, like just a little background on myself because I feel like a lot of people don't know like the shit. That I've done like I've gotten placements in over 400 TV shows, and most motherfuckers don't know who the fuck I am. So I kind of take pride in that in a way because like I'm not going down the traditional route of uh, artist placements. I would love to get tons of placements with tons of artists. Like that's still definitely on the radar. But as opposed to like swinging and missing and getting a placement, you know, fewer and further between with artists, the demand and that's the key word: the demand for licensing placements on TV and film. It's just so much more. I mean, every time I go on a podcast like this or, or on a panel, I, I tell them, you got to do this. It's all about math. It's all about the numbers, right? So, you know, your favorite artists, they have 10, 12 tracks on their albums. You have thousands of artists that are trying to get the same tracks on that same album, for like 12 open spots. You figure the in-house guy is doing half of them. So really, you're fighting for six spots. Whereas with TV, you do the math. Let's, let, I'll take your favorite show. Let's say... Uh, Let's say your favorite show tech was keeping up with the Kardashians, right? So, Not mine. No. I mean, no. Just, let's, let's pretend just for one, just for a bit. 
right? Yeah. So you figure there's like 15 episodes in a season. Every episode they're using 80 to 100 tracks each, playing you know like 30 seconds to you know 40 yeah. seconds each. And then how many seasons of that show are out? Like seven. And that's one show. So think about all the shows are on one station or network. Now think about all the networks that are on TV. You're really talking about hundreds of thousands of beats that need to be placed per year. As opposed to the six that you're trying to get on the next Joe Artist album, who is probably dope. And I would love to get it, you know, on the next Rick Ross. But the math is not in my favor, regardless of who the fuck I am. Or regardless of who anybody is, because there's so many moving parts of that, so much politics. And uh, I'm not shitting on anybody's hustle. If they do get artist places, go get them, because I'm trying to get them too, just like anybody else. But in the meantime, you know, sell your shit on beat stars like Cato, or you can, you know, the revenue stream for me is via my BMI, you know, royalty stream. You know, I get a, I get a check every, every three to four months. So that's, that's real dope that I get that. Yeah, yeah that's super dope. Super dope. And I, I, yeah. I respect, I respect any producer who's who's able to pursue like different avenues within the music industry, and it all depends on what you want to do, man. I mean, there's no right or wrong way to do this shit. It just yep. whatever, whatever you're passionate about, just go hard with that, and you'll find a way to make it work. You know. Plus, you can you can even build leverage too. Where like, let's say you work with. You know, a lot of artists that might, you know, might be huge, might not be that big, but they're independent. You can actually use it as leverage where you go to, you know, a TV and film company and say, hey, I have tracks with these artists, these no artists, and you can upsell yeah. at that point where it's not just a generic beat. Now it's like, hey, if you want to get, let's say you got a record with Pusha T. Oh, you want the Pusha T version? Oh, that's going to be another, you know, 50K or whatever it is, whatever Pusha T wants, he's going to get, but it's not coming out of your pocket, it's coming out of the client's pocket. Uh, right. You know, I would love to. Phil Jackson, a situation like that one day, um, but uh, that'll happen eventually. Um, but yeah, man. So shifting, so, shifting, shifting from like, from like, uh, when are you uh, echoing? But from, uh, from, uh, from two different um, aspects here. When you have, you know, selling online to, you know, actually coming out and getting these types of placements. Now, Cato, you had touched on something that was big in the B-Star Summit was, you know, social media branding and, and social media marketing, getting your stuff out and constantly, you know, either giving things away or trying to draw more attention to that aspect. Whereas, you know, if you're coming off of something, you know, television or, you know, other things like that, the demand is, is more placed on what's already there, what's in place, rather than you having to push the brand farther. Right. What, do you, what do you think with the difference, you know, between having to do that much leverage, would you consider, you know, it to be a job? Because I know a lot of producers, you know, what, what I was talking to Rhythm J off airs, you know, paying for ads and, you know, going hard and giving all this stuff away, giving all this and they aren't seeing a dime where it could be discouraging where you don't get, you know, the sales that you're supposed to be, you know, out there doing. Um, do you see the importance of like, you know, collaboration as far, as well as social media to try and push your brand further to make those sales in the long run? I mean, look, at the end of the day, man, it, it just goes back to, it depends on, on what you want to achieve as, as a, producer as a musician someone who makes music and just me personally like I got into the game because I wanted to make dope music with dope artists you know so I just pursued that route so hard for so long um, and of course I, I learned things along the way I you know started other businesses I have a, uh, an online mentorship program for producers called beat club now where I kind of do what we're doing now and try to put them up on game. I bring on special guests who talk about different aspects of the industry. So, you know, there's different things that I do within the music industry now, but it all depends, man. I mean, I just, for my own personal career, it was the best decision for me to build my own brand and kind of put myself out there more like an artist. And so utilizing social media and all those 
tools, which are so incredibly powerful. Um, but I think we take for granted because they're all free and everyone has access to it. But if you know how to leverage that and take advantage of those tools, I mean, it's super, super powerful, man. I mean, um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully that answers your question, but it just depends on what you want to accomplish at the end of the day. That's true. And now Rhythm J, you're also coming out with more of a producer collaborative where it's you and other producers you know making jams together to try and drive not just yourself but out into this market here for artists and for other producers to hear but also building off of and collaborating with other major producers to try and bridge the gap between that as well can you talk a little bit about that to see the importance of what that shows also on that side Yo, Tech, shout out to you, man, just for, like, opening the door for me to even, like, plug the fucking album that I'm coming out with. You just left that shit wide open, man. Good shit. But um, <laughs> kind of going off of what Kato was saying, how you got to kind of move like an artist now, even though you're a producer. And, you know, you'll never catch me rapping ever on this guy's green earth. Uh, but, however, as, you know, I do have an album coming out called The Alliance. Uh, it's a fully instrumental album. And... Uh, Unlike where if an artist is jumping on with a bunch of producers, I'm doing the same thing, but as like the executive producer and, you know, co-producing with multiple uh, producers that, you know, I've just gotten to know over the years, guys like Cardiac, Grand's Music, Jay Rhodes, Epic Pro, Ratchet Gods, Jimmy Kendrick, the list goes on. So uh, leveraging that and using that, you know, as an advantage, it's like, that's another... Like, to this day, I haven't really advertised anything because all my beats that I've – I haven't spent – you know, a lot of people that are listening right now, like, don't spend a dime on advertising unless you spent money on a membership to ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, whatever it is. You should be doing that first. Uh, that's the number one thing. Mm-hmm. After that, yeah, you know, advertise your shit, put it out there. But um, what was your question? Because I'm kind of lost right now. What were you talking about? <laughs> so, <laughs> the – you could have went on and still rambling. That's fine. But the, the more um, the collaborative aspect for, you know, what you see as the importance, because I know both of you currently, you know, have that going for you as well, where Cato, you're offering, you know, collaborations with other producers as of right now. So where do you guys both see, you know, the avenue to a further, not just yourself, but other producers as well in the long run, in the grand scheme thing? I'd rather share money with someone I'm collaborating with than trying to clear a sample because I came up, you know, like everybody else, you know, sampling other records or whatever. But then that's a bitch because either you got to clear that shit yourself or more than likely the label goes, oh, shit, that's a sample. Oh, that's expensive. We can't do it. So instead of me, you know, being used to building around a sample, I'd rather just build around a loop or an, you know, basic skeleton idea. And that's where a lot of these songs on the Alliance came from was a lot of times it's like a little four bar thing. I made like a full beat structured everything uh in most cases i don't want to say in all but it's it's a win-win because then you're you're helping out the other artists because then you're both generating income together whereas you're just if you're sampling you're just hooking up someone that probably has a shit ton of money anyway doesn't need the extra money <laughs> number one and then number two is people that you don't know so there's no like in studio you're not in the studio with the guys you sample when you're just sampling so that's why I love to collab with other producers. And even if you're not physically there, you can still contact that person. You can still email, call, FaceTime, you know, do this, whatever. It's just a, a better one-on-one type situation with collaborating. So it's collaborating. I'm, I'm, I feel like more producers collaborate now than they ever have before. Yeah, for sure. And I, I do both. I do paid collabs where people can pay to collab with me, you know, if – random Joe Schmo producer from Illinois wants to hit me up and, and collab and I don't know him or I'm not familiar with him, but he wants to drop $200 to do it. You know, I'm going to get that money. I'm going to get that check. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the producers that I'm cool with that I see a, a lot of potential in and, you know, who actually bring value to what I'm doing. And I know that we, we'll have a good synergy in the studio together. Like I'll just collaborate with them because I think they're dope and I think we can make great music. So 
I think at the end of the day, it's it's the key really to any producer who's coming up is to find ways to monetize what you love to do and, you know, think more like an entrepreneur. I think a lot of producers are still stuck in that mentality of, you know, just uh, being a producer and treating it like, like just strictly about the music when at the end of the day, what we what we do is we're in the music business, you know, so we got to treat what we do like a business and we just so happen to be good at making music. Right. So that's how I look at it. That's how I treat, you know, that's what I preach to all of my B club members is at the end of the day, you guys are entrepreneurs that just so happen to be good at making music. So find different ways to monetize that. And I think education and knowledge and understanding the industry and, understanding different revenue streams and how ASCAP works, how publishing works, you know, all the different ways. There's, there's a million different ways to monetize what we do now. So it's just, it it all depends on, on what your goals are, what you're passionate about and what you can wake up loving every single day, you know? And when Cato says be an entrepreneur, he doesn't mean be a spam artist either. Right. I'll just leave it at that. Yo, that's dope. Check out my SoundCloud paste. Yes, that 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 same mentality, which I think, in a way, that part of it has ruined social media marketing for some people because they don't know what they're doing. They're just, hey, I'm like I I see it all the time. You know, both on my artist page, on the podcast page, and on other social media accounts I manage, and it's like. Hey, you're posting this, but where's my beat videos? How come my beat videos aren't featured? What's what's this? Here, check out my SoundCloud. Like, great, but where like Cato was saying, where's the value in in what you're spamming, essentially? Exactly. You know what? I learned this from DJ Payne One. He said this long ago. He's also on the Alliance, by the way. I didn't mention him before. Shout out to DJ Payne One. He's the, he said it best, man. He said you gotta be a giver. So whether that means giving out a little sound kit, giving out a free beat for everyone to spit on in exchange, maybe you're getting an email address, maybe you're getting something, you have to have something to, to gauge interest. So like here, in exchange, I'm gonna give you something in exchange, follow me, give me a like, or whatever. And then from there, you can just organically post and not hit up people individually, and then it's more passive at that point because then it's like, oh yeah, I gave him permission to, you know, because I'm following him because he gave me a free beat or he gave me like, you know, a couple of free kicks and snares or whatever it may be. Yeah. Just at the end of the day, just being a giver first uh, when you're the one that's trying to advertise something. Yep. 100%. And in the beat licensing world online, like selling beats online, that's giving away free MP3 licenses to your beat in exchange for them following you on YouTube or them giving your, you their email um, so that you can follow up with them. I mean, there has to be some sort of hook or incentive for people to fuck with you. So, you know, figure out what that is and what you're willing to to give for free um, in exchange for y'all doing business, hopefully, in the future, you know? Now, I think that, I think, I think that might be a stigma that I think a lot of producers are, are worried about in the mainstay because you have people like, you know, like me, for instance, who... I've been making beats for God 14 something years and I grew up on the whole, I'm just going to make beats and then, you know, organically build with someone when they come along. But I don't want to give free. I don't want to give and give and give. I just want to see what happens. And that's, you know, yeah. Like we're saying like, don't give away your whole damn catalog. Like, you know, give out like maybe one to everybody, (laughs) like don't, don't go crazy and don't be one of these guys like on what's that site? SoundClick selling your beats for five dollars either. Yeah, like there's a balance. There's a balance with it when you're giving out little free things here and there. They're totally, totally different than like just selling your whole catalog virtually free. One hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that's a tricky part that a lot of producers, especially upcoming producers who are still somewhat green to you know, the entrepreneurial side and the music business side, they, they don't understand how to create value. You don't create value by giving right. all your shit away for free 
or selling it at, at a cheaper price than everyone else. You create value by you create value by having a dope product, but at the same time, because the market is so saturated, you have to figure out some sort of hook to draw people in because you're competing with a million and ten other music producers around the world, you know? Right. So what are you going to be doing differently to get people's attention? Grabbing people's attention is the hardest thing to do in 2017 because everyone is on social media, right? I mean, so you're competing with all these different people. So when I say give your shit away for free, that means just do it to the point where you can get their attention and then sell your product to them. You know, hopefully your product is good enough where they'll be willing to pay for it. But, you know, you have to understand how to create value around what you have. And that's a, that's a big, big key that I've learned over the course of my career. Also tech, I'll jump in real quick. There's also a safe haven that a lot of producers don't know about. Visualize a place where you can go, where there's no politics, where you just upload beats and people buy it just based on the music, not based on anything else. That's, that's called the TV library. That's where you go. A place where you don't have to pay upfront fees. You know, the legit ones. Mm -hmm. the, the place where you don't have to pay upfront fees. Places that, you know, these companies pre-dictate licenses with, you know, with Viacom, Fox Sports, with, you know, every network uh, production company. So that if they do pick one of your beats and it's, you know, you sign the agreement, you sign the Schedule A and it's, it's included in their library of, you know, thousands of songs. It, all that paperwork is done already. And the network or whoever already knows what rate they have to pay. Or maybe they don't pay anything at all. Maybe it just gets placed and then you just collect on the royalties. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it comes down to editors that are just going through beats. They're looking for a mood. They're looking for a vibe. They come across your shit. There's no meeting. There's no sit down. There's no like, hey... That's my guy that I know from this. I was like, no, it's like, oh, this fits for the show that I'm working on right now. And that's a lost thing now in the industry. Like unbiased, no opinions of, oh, that's my homie, this and that. It's just a straight, like, it just comes down to the music and, it, and no special truth. So that, that's what I like about the licensing world is that, like, you know, I wish a lot of these guys were A&Rs because they keep picking my shit and it's like, yo, like, it's... I never, a lot of these guys I don't even speak with. 90% of the shit I get, I don't even talk to anybody. It just shows up on the shows. It's because you just got to know where to upload. Uh, if everyone can do themselves a favor and just Google the words production music library. That's all you need to do for starters. If you, you, don't, you don't know where to go, like, you know, I don't recommend calling MTV. I don't recommend calling networks directly. I mean, if you know someone over there and you got a plug, do it, right? Like, more power to you. But if you've got no connects in the TV industry, hit up these production libraries. They do respond, unlike a lot of these labels. And you get started there. I mean, you know, there's so many companies out there. Some might not be looking for music right now. Some are. You just got to find the ones that are. There's always a demand for music. And you just got to you know, do it that way. You know, one thing you got to know, they don't, they don't accept samples. But outside of that, do you think, do you, they respond. Mm -hmm. And... That's that's one of the things that I love about, you know, BeatStars personally, because I'm on BeatStars as well. That's that's who I service my site through, and you know, and you know, Abe is actually going to be on the show farther out. But from what from what I love about it is literally like in that aspect, you can go on the search engine and what is the field that you're searching for? Type it. You found it. Great. Now there's hundreds of thousands of different types of beats that you fit the mood that you're looking for. And you can go with the dollar producer or you can go with the $40 producer or whatever. And because everything is right there and it's accessible. And, you know, that's what I feel is also another stigma is that we talked about it on the first episode, but I, I literally saw someone giving away beats 10 for $10 and it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not, a, the music industry is not the grocery store and, and God damn it. You know, I'm, I'm tight. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Nah, you're, 
trust me, you know, we went in on this too. And also on, on, you know, more of the licensing and publishing side, we talked about how, how bad, you know, Rodney Jerkins was getting, you know, for lack of a better word, jerk on publishing for Bieber. And so when you're doing the streaming royalties and monetizing in different aspects of Spotify, Pandora, you know, Audio Mag, iHeartRadio, whatever, do you think it's more beneficial, and I know for both of you can weigh in on this, to try and go to each and every avenue individually, or is it better for you to just stick to the mainstays of SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, your main beat selling page, whether it be BeatStars, Airbit, you know, if Rock Battle is still up or whatever, the, those those avenues as well, or would it be better off to, you know, just get a distro kid, put all your beats out everywhere, and then nothing happens and you're stuck? So what do you see the benefits to that much saturation and not seeing the the financial outcome in the end? Because yeah, you can license your beats, but you're not gonna you're gonna get paid a fraction of a penny from all these streaming services where so where do you both see that, you know, in, in the fact of either A, oversaturation, or B, just sticking to what you know, essentially? Uh, I guess I'll start. I mean, you know, one thing I've learned from speaking with so many producers, so many different, like, quote unquote, online producers who are at the top of the game, like, you know, these are guys that are selling upwards of like forty, fifty thousand $50,000 a month from selling beats online. So we just did, me and my beat club, we just did a Q&A with Cash Money AP last mm -hmm. month. And, you know, I've spoken to a lot of other internet producers. And one thing I've learned is that everyone has something different that works for them. Um, my homie here in Atlanta, DG Beats, he, the key for him is a mailing list. Um, Cash Money AP is huge on YouTube. That's how he makes most of his money. Um, but it all comes down to, to doing the same thing, which is licensing your beats online and, and making money doing that. So, you know, for anyone that's not sure, I would suggest that they try everything or they, or they kind of bet on their strengths. So whatever your strongest platform is or wherever you feel like you have the most pull and leverage, that's where you should start. You know, if your biggest following is on YouTube, then just start throwing all your shit on YouTube. Make sure it's run through content ID so that you can monetize everything that's that, you know, people are ripping off YouTube or maybe just uploading to their channels. Um, and there's a way to monetize off of that, too. You know, giving away free beats doesn't mean that you're not going to make any money. It means that you're giving you're giving them a taste of what your product is and however they want to use that. If you know how the industry and all the technology works, like content ID, you can still monetize off of that. So, you know, it, it really does go back to understanding the industry and having the knowledge of knowing how to monetize your music. You know, that's really, really what it comes down to is just understanding the game. Yeah. I mean, I can only tell you what I do and then people can just take whatever advice they want from I'm, all I know is what I do. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but like I just make different buckets of beats. Like I know, okay, these are my TV beats over here. So these are going in the, you know, production music libraries, you know, here are my beats I'm putting over here for shopping to labels. And these 13 beats over here, I'm putting on an album called the Alliance and I'm putting it down Spotify, iTunes, YouTube and all that. So we'll see where that goes. And then that also crosses back into the sync world because, you know, if you put your shit out on TuneCore, you can sign up for like the sync and then they can shop your shit. Um, actually put it out on Spotify and all that. I'm kind of doing everything at once, you know, but I'm, I'm separating the beats so that if I land something with a big artist with the, with the label shopping shit, I don't go, oh, you know what? That shit's been on YouTube for free for two years. So you might not want to pick that one. So like, that way it's isolated and people go, yo, this shit's not out there, right? And you go, nope, not out there. So I, I don't know. So I don't know if artists care about that anymore. 
but you know you kind of if it's going to be on a major project you probably want to keep it close to the vest you know and not have it on 100 sites um, that's just my opinion but that that could be you know correct me if i'm wrong or you know you know fuck my opinion if you guys do otherwise um but uh yeah, yeah that's what i do I, I just put beats in different areas of where i'm trying to pitch everything yeah i definitely do the same thing there's a lot of artists that i work with exclusively and I, I kind of know which artists don't want the same beat that's been used a hundred times or that's been licensed. And I know which artists just don't give a fuck, you know, and there are those artists that will go on YouTube and look for type beats to use on their next album. You know, <laughs> so it really it, it really depends on the artist, but it's up to the producer to kind of know, you know, what what their own what your own goals are and. Uh, know the people that you fuck with and understand what they want from you, you know? So, um, yeah, I do both. I mean, I have, I have a little, I have all my beats like separated on my hard drive of beats that I'm going to upload to, to my beat store. I have tracks that I am sending out exclusively to artists that I work with. And sometimes those tracks end up in my beat store because um because it either doesn't work for that artist or you know doesn't fit a particular sound for the album you know so then that one moves to the b store and it just it all they all kind of yes. you know rotate and have find their own they all they all find their own purpose at the end of the day so i'm happy yeah i've heard that before too and it's like the trickle down theory where like nothing goes to waste where it's like first you shop at the labels if it doesn't work out then you put it in for syncing tv yeah. If it doesn't work there, then you just post that shit up for free. Like, therefore, no matter where your beat goes, you're gonna make money on it, regardless. One you're just prioritizing wherever it goes, and you know, and and depending on the beat itself, it, it might dictate where it's gonna go. Like, if you're using, you know, like a, a sample or something, you know, okay, this can't go into TV. Yeah. So let me pitch this over to the labels because the labels will clear that shit. Or you know, so sometimes what you do creatively will will tell you where to put it or maybe you're working with like a high profile you know another producer you're collabing with another producer maybe they don't want it in you know tv library xyz because maybe they don't like the deal mm -hmm. so you know so it's like all right cool we'll shop this together to the labels or hey you want posts for free no nah, i don't want to do that all right cool. so it, it comes a lot of times it the situation dictates where the beat goes i agree yep and that's where i think that a lot of the stigma comes from is, is especially in the online detail things is so many people are afraid to, oh, oh my God, beat, beat leasing. Oh my God, no, not that. You know, I don't, I don't want to give. Time out, time out, time out. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I don't want to give this one beat to 75 rappers, struggle rappers that are out here in, you know, I'll just throw it out there, Providence, because 90% of the rappers here are struggle rappers, where all these people are licensing beats for $25 a piece and or leasing beats because rhythm J, I know you hate that term, but I think that that's, that's the stigma now where producers are who are naive in but, trying but, to, but at the same time, it. you know what tech, like that's fine. I, I don't knock someone for thinking that, but if you're sitting at home broke complaining about how artists are not fucking with your beats, and you're not doing anything to change that then that's all on you you know what mm -hmm. i mean like you can't be you can't have it both ways and and be broke at the same time you know so it's like if if you don't want to sell your beats online that's a hundred percent fine I'm, not, I'm never gonna knock someone for not doing that but if your goal is to get as many people to fuck with your music as possible and you're not out there in the studios hustling and and like trying to shop your beats that way like face to face or doing what what rhythm j does like just uploading your your beats to uh music libraries and that kind of thing and getting them out that way like you have to do something you can't just sit at home and bitch about how people aren't fucking with you and you're broke mm -hmm. and not do anything to change that that's what gets me you know that's like that's the number one pet peeve that i have whenever i hear from a lot of upcoming producers who are just struggling to get their shit out there, but aren't doing anything to change that, you know? So I'm like, well, what the fuck do you expect? Like, 
you got to do something. And there's so many different avenues, like especially for producers, like there's sample packs, drum kits. Yeah, you know, look, look at Illmind. Like, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to have my kit featured on Illmind's site with all of everything else, his catalogs. And it's like, he the black kits are amazing. And he's put out so many of them now that it's like, you know, oh my God. But drum kits, sample library, like uh, sample packs, uh, you know, critiques, beat critiques. You know, there's so much stuff you could do selling merch. You want to sell t-shirts? Like, I do graphic design work, too. Like, there's so very, many... Very good graphic design, by the way. Yes, thank you. And there's there's so many different avenues. And uh, like you said, Cato, like, why would you sit at home? Like, I used to be one of those. Like, oh, man, I'm not, I'm not doing nothing. Whereas now I'm actively trying to search for different avenues to make money off of my music because clearly what I'm doing is not working. So let me change it. And, you know, I'm mentoring a couple other producers that are in the same boat, but are trying to get into online beat selling or trying to, you know, I've added to, to my accounts to help them get into TV licensing and to try and do avenues like that. But I agree with you completely that there are so many different, avenues for producers to make money that to not take full advantage of things like that is just you know silly bottom, bottom yeah. line if, if you make any producer that's listening to this if you're making a beat tape and you're posting it for free on that piff you fucked up you fucked up there's so many other ways like people can listen to shit for free on that piff but people can listen for free on spotify but you can now monetize now because it's on Spotify. It might not be that much more, but you fucked up because you're guaranteed to get zero if it was on that piff. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and from before, the reason I was throwing up the timeout sign is because of that term lease. Leasing a beat? Let, let's talk about that for a minute. Just, just a little background too. But like I've worked at ASCAP for five years, so I cringe when I hear people say they're leasing a beat. That makes no sense. People lease cars. What, what is a lease? A lease is when you make a purchase, you have it for a while, you pay monthly, and then you bring it back. No one's bringing back a lease beat. They have it. So let's call it its proper name. I'm on a permanent mission from here until the day I die. Every time I hear a motherfucker say lease, I'm shutting that shit down quick. It's a non-exclusive license. That's what you're trying to say. Not, I'm not saying you, but like everybody. Yo, I lease beats. No, you don't. You give out non-exclusive fucking licenses for your beats meaning this guy over here can have it that guy over here can have it that's a non-exclusive license not a fucking lease no one's returning beats to you <laughs> facts Done. i can't i can't argue with that one <laughs> beat licensing licensing hopefully i didn't say non-exclusive you didn't. license you did that's what a lease that, no. that's the that's the thing is a lot of people do say that like it, i'm, le- I'm not a beat. Thing, but there's no such thing as a leased beat but people call it that. Yep. It's just a non-exclusive license. That's that's all it is. <laughs> now I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out to both of you because I brought this up last time and it got crickets because of how ridiculous this is. This term that has recently come to my attention. Um, nonprofit artists. That's a thing. <laughs> so I got a. Uh, I personally have gotten hit up a couple times for, for rappers who had, have admittedly stolen beats. Um, I don't know why they would do that, but, you know, ripped them from YouTube, ripped them from SoundCloud, whatever. And, you know, they say, hey, I'd like to use this beat that I completely stole from you for a nonprofit use. And, you know, I say no, obviously, because that's ridiculous. And, you know, Whereas artists who are literally just sitting in their parents' bedroom or, you know, their basement with a USB microphone trying to, you know, make music for their friends, that's fine. But there's so many of that term that I've seen in people that refuse to pay, like artists that refuse to pay, that want to just get for free and go out and shoot a um, expensive video. I know an artist who told me that a rapper from Texas uh, literally um, refused to pay $35 for, you know, the license and then ripped the beat off YouTube and shot a $200,000 video 
with the beat that has tags all over it. Now, have you guys run into situations where oh. you, you've run into those types of artists and how, besides the monetizing, do you catch yourself from avoiding that crowd? Well, well, I mean, the, the thing at the end of the day is that you can't avoid that. I mean, you can't control what other people are going to do, right? So the sooner you understand that as an entrepreneur and as a music producer, the sooner you can put more energy and focus into the ones that are willing to pay for your music or are willing to drop, you know, $99 for a license, you know, you... you the the guy the kid who's gonna rip your beats off of YouTube or ask for uh, a nonprofit, I don't even know what the fuck, but I, I see it all the time on my YouTube where kids are asking, "Hey, can I use this beat for nonprofit?" I know what that translates to. That just means that they're broke as fuck, or they don't invest in their music, or they don't invest in themselves. Um, but at the same time. I would rather try to turn that person into a customer in the long run. So I'll say, hey, I got a bunch of free beats that you can download a, um, an MP3 license to. Go to my website. And by the way, I have a Facebook Pixel installed on my, on, on my website where it's going to track them after they visit my website. So then next time I run a Facebook ad, you know, promoting one of my beats, they're going to see it scrolling up and down their, their Facebook timeline. So that is smart as fuck. at the very least, <laughs> I'm going to make sure that they're going to visit my website and it's going to be tracked and I'm going to be able to retarget them when I run promos on Facebook. So I would rather try to turn them into a customer rather than focusing on like, you know, well, why are you uh, asking for nonprofit shit? I mean, I, I, I can't control what they're going to do or not going to do. So, why not just try to turn that into a sale, right? Yes, That's I agree. Genius. Um, <laughs> I, I've I've caught a bunch of guys like rapping on instrumentals that were already placed with other artists, like you know, on some like mixtape shit or whatever. And it's like yeah. I just laughed at it. I heard it like, "Is this guy any good?" No. Oh, okay. Ah, this is funny. And then I just left it alone it, it, because you know that that version is not going to go anywhere. So. If a producer's instinct is, oh, I'm going to sue this guy. Like, what are you suing him for if the record didn't make any money? Or if he has no he's money. Gonna no money. He's going to have no money to give you. So just leave it alone. People are going to steal your shit, like, like Cato was saying. And for people that ask, hey, I'm a nonprofit artist, to me that just means you're an artist that doesn't make any money. Money. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. Like, I like how Cato flipped it, trying to, you know, turn him into a customer, but... Aside from that, I'm just like, what I do is like when an unknown artist approaches me for a beat, the best repellent is asking them what their budget is. Then I never hear from them again. So it's like asking for a price is, is, is shitty artist repellent. Right. That, that's what I've learned. But I like Kato's route better though because he's getting a sale eventually. I mean, chances are if they're asking to, to use a beat for nonprofit, you already know that they don't have money or they're not willing to spend that money, at least at that moment in time. So yep. my whole thing is like, well, if I can if I can get them to see my music or my brand enough over the course of the next couple months, eventually, statistically, they should become a customer, you know, so um, that's my goal at the end of the day. And. So once I take my ego out of the equation and be like, and, and take out all of the shit where I feel insulted by that person asking for my music for free, then I can start thinking more like a businessman. Like, how can I flip this into a sale, you know, two or three months down the line? So, you know, a lot of this shit, when it comes down to it, is all about ego, man. I mean, you know, I'm an artist, too. I understand 100% the ego aspect of it. And, and I'm, I'm sensitive about my music and I love what I do. But a lot of times when you take your ego out of the equation, you make better business decisions. So um, I've, I've also had to learn that the hard way over, over the course of my career. Like, there, like right there, like you take the ego out just by having like that little free folder. Say, like, oh, I'm just going to send them to the free folder. And then you don't have to think about it anymore. That's, that's the best thing about it. And that free folder doesn't have to be that that huge. It could be the same fucking ten beats. 
for seven years. Like, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. I agree a hundred percent. Now, um, first of all, and I, I know I probably should have done this a little bit earlier. Cato, congratulations on the, uh, the B stars plaque. That's, uh, Oh, thank you, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Big, small guy right up here. Yeah. That's I saw it and I was like, damn, I probably should have let off with that at some point. But, <laughs> um, so with that, um, if you're trying to build the streams and if I know personally, I've watched a lot of uh, YouTube videos going either way, um, ads, ad space, you touched on it just now with, you know, the Facebook pixel and, you know, I know the swipe up links in Snapchat are free because they want people with business accounts to advertise now. And what do you see, you know, the benefit to attempting to hustle and struggle to not use the ads and if you don't have the money to pay for ads, whereas, you know, running $60, $70 worth of Facebook ads just to promote one beat. Like, I know that's one thing a lot of people also struggle with. So, and... Where could they go to get that information besides B Club? And I mean, the information is out there, bro. I mean, you go to Google or you go to YouTube and just search Facebook Pixel. There's a thousand and one different tutorials on how to set up a Facebook Pixel. I mean, the information is out there. It's just, you know, people uh, people either are too lazy to to look for it, or they don't they don't even know about it. They don't even know to look for it. So that's why I have stuff like Beat Club. But, um, you know, if you don't have the money to spend on advertising, then the answer is simple. It's just using social media to build your brand and create value around what you do. And when I say that, it's not like some small, simple thing that you can do over the course of like a month or two. That takes time. Like building a brand takes a lot of time and fucking patience, trial and error, you know, knowing what works for you, knowing your audience and, and having a good product at the end of the day. So um, I think, you know, when that that's something that's not appealing to everyone, when you tell them that it's going to take like, five to 10 years to do nope. that, nope. people, nope. yeah, nope. I mean, people are just like, well, fuck that, I'm, I'm gonna try and find an easier way. And there is no easy way. If there was an easy way, everyone would fucking be doing this shit. So, you know, uh, that's that's kind of the message. I, I keep it extremely real with all my B Club members. I I don't try and create any illusions about what it takes to be successful in the music industry. I tell them this is like what I have and I haven't even reached, you know, what I want to accomplish in my career. But what I have took me 10 years to, to get here. You know, so for you guys to get where you want to go, you're mm -hmm. going to have to put in that fucking work, you know, and there's no way around that. You just you have to do it. And if you care about your shit enough, you're going to do it. And it's not going to seem like work to you because it's just going to seem like music yeah. is what you do. Um, but to everyone else, it's going to seem like hard work, you know, and yeah. that's why the music industry is not for everyone. That filters it out. And and also, it's like you put in that 10 years and you still are not going to be accomplished where you want to be. Yeah. You still haven't accomplished everything that you wanted to after 10, 15 years. Yeah. I mean, there's guys with plaques and Grammys that still have that that fire inside them that's like, I have not accomplished everything that I want to. For sure. You know, like I remember speaking to um, Rockwell, they're like, like a – a while back and he's like yeah i want to be the next quincy jones i want to have grammys at 50. yeah so it's like and it's like and that's rock Wilder, who already has grammys and plaques and all the shit it's like oh my god like, he's like yeah i want to i want to find the next michael jackson and it's like i don't know like it's crazy like there's there's never there's never a satisfaction with this shit you're yeah. always going to be wanting nope. to accomplish more nope and I agree because I'm still nowhere close where I want to be at all. But the the other last, the real last thing that I wanted to to really touch on is is something that I know is is big now. Is you know I need to hurry up and go get placements. I need to go and hurry up and shop to majors or hit up the next 
you know, scroll down sound Instagram, SoundCloud, and hit up every single rapper I see, or type in rapper with the hashtag, and you know, I gotta get every single person beat. Do you see, you know, the difference between that, whereas developing your own artist and making it better that way, and finding that synergy instead of, you know, again, oversaturating every single rapper in the business. Um, what do you see like the advantages of that and in as far as brand building, you know, from both of your aspects? I know you guys have also worked with a lot of up and coming artists as well to actually build around that and build that artist up with you, even if you don't have a name. Well, I can only speak for myself and the way I got on pretty much in this game and had anyone given a fuck about my music was through working with uh, artists individually, you know, kind of attaching my name as a producer to one or two artists and coming up together, like crafting a sound together, creating a, a, a brand and an image together, um, you know, and that artist for me was Jaron Benton. Um, when I moved to Atlanta in 2006, you know, just going, moving around in the Atlanta hip hop scene, the kind of independent hip hop scene. I ran into this guy, fucking wild. Uh, he, he was wild, but no one, and it, he was clearly dope to me, like right off, right off the bat. I could tell that this dude had serious talent, but no one gave a fuck about him. He wasn't like, you know, we were doing shows in front of the same five to 10 people every weekend. And so I was like, yo, let's let's link up and work on some music. And we we started just working on music together and, and people started to pay attention. And we linked up with the right people who could help us shoot music videos and, and really push them and get them out there. And eventually we got signed to the same independent label, Funk Volume, um, with Hobson and Dizzy Wright. And that kind of launched our careers. And I still I'm, I'm working with an EP on him right now you know so eight uh what is it like yeah eight years later eight years. seven eight years later we're still working together you know and and that has contributed a lot to people knowing my sound understanding you know my production and really getting my shit out there um because you know jaron was a double xl freshman he accomplished a lot in his career right. so our names are pretty much synonymous now it's like when people hear jaron benton 99.9% .9 of the time they'll have heard of Cato too. So that's kind of like, um, it's like insurance for my, for my career. Like I can always go back and work with Jaron and, and, and be good. And at least we have our fan base that will always, you know, come out and see our shows and, and buy our music and, and stream us on, on Spotify. So, you know, that's, that's how I look at it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm not sending my beats to everybody. Like, first of all, I got to like your shit, which is few and far between. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I feel like Cato said it all right then and there. I mean, coming up with the artists. Like, right now I'm working with a songwriting team known as the Vocal Junkies. They're really dope. They're out in Long Island. Uh, so, you know, they're not artists per se, but, like, just having a team there in place because songwriters are really hard to find. Yeah. as a producer and when you have a bunch of labels that want full songs they want tracks with the hooks i don't sing i don't rap i'm gonna need a songwriting team and when you have a team of three really dope fucking songwriters and like i have like a really great go-to now with with them and uh you know we've been banging out a lot of tracks getting them out there and uh who knows maybe we'll come out with an album one day um with it but like that's like a, a go-to that's someone that i can always go back to and feel like, like you said, like an insurance policy. Someone I can always go back to, like, yo, let's let's cook up something new, yeah. you know. Just, but like I, again, like I'm not fucking with a lot of these guys that are coming out now, and and they really are few and far between. And yeah. I feel like it's counterproductive when you're trying to send out emails to hundreds of artists because then you, how can your relationship build with all those artists? Let's say like your dreams came true and like. You got 200 replies from the 200 emails of 10 beats that you sent out. It was the same 10 beats. And they all said at the same time, yo, let's work. I'm down. Now what are you going to do? 
don't know. Massive posse cut. Posse cut. <laughs> Those, exactly. don't exist Those don't exist anymore. They should. I agree. Maybe I agree. One every couple years. <laughs> We need like another massive touch it remix. Get bust on every artist from nine different states. Yeah. Saw, you know what? When I, back in the day when I was working at ASCAP, I saw the shares for that record. Swiss got his 50% because he did the whole beat, and then every other artist got like 2%. Or 5%, that's, whatever. That's insane. That shit was funny as fuck. But, um, hey, but that's that's the upside of, of what we do as producers, man, is like, exactly. you know, some. The guys who are at the top of the online beat licensing game, they can just sit at home, make beats all day, and, and collect checks if that's your goal, yep. you know. And if you're happy with that, then fuck, man, you've you've made it, you know. Like oh, yeah. you you are doing amazing. Um, so as as the creators of like the actual music portion, the the composition of of the music, that's we're entitled to 50%. We should be entitled to 50% of exactly. everything that we make, which, which is we haven't even scratched the surface on publishing. God damn. Yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a whole, out? that's a whole nother. Yeah. Fuck. Whole I gotta come nother. back now. Episode two. Yeah. I gotta come back now. That's but, fine. Um, what were we talking about? Um, shit. I lost it. There was that's, fine. that's fine. That's uh, fine. No. Publishing is what it is. And, I just recently got yeah. full control of my publishing, thank God. And, um, you know, having everything through BMI and stuff, and so many people don't know that that is a thing, and it sucks because yeah. you're missing out on money that – I mean, I wish somebody would have told me about it years ago when I was, you know, you know, years ago when I had the Mac Miller placement and things were, you know, money-wise because no one ever told me about publishing. No one ever said, "Hey, you should you should probably go uh, sign some BMI contracts and and ASCAP contracts and see what happens, and then you can or even Sound Exchange like go yeah, your stuff is copywritten, but where are you seeing any revenue from it? And that's you know that's mainly one of the reasons why I wanted to touch on licensing and stuff is because people don't know people are ignorant to the fact that oh I have a name my name is you know. Yeah. Hard, hard, crazy beats dot com, and I know all this stuff. But do you have your your pub? Is your publishing secure? Yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to be the locks, you know, with Diddy twenty years from now, where you don't have your publishing for one of the biggest records in hip hop, and that's another misconception where people are just like, "Yeah, I'm good." Well, you're not. It's it's like the equivalent of like. If someone says, hey, I can only send a PayPal, and you say, I don't have a PayPal. Right. That, that's the equivalent of like not having an ASCAP or BMI. It's like, but we can't, we can't send them to you. Yeah. Like, people don't realize that. I remember what I was going to say now. Um, like, how we were talking about BeatStars and licensed beats on those types of sites. The TV production libraries are similar to that, but the, but the people that log in with a username and password are not rappers that may or may not have a budget. But they are TV editors. They are people that work at companies that already have a deal in place with that company. So when they log in, it's not open to the public. It's only for people that are looking for music for shows. So if if, if they're logging in, that means that you're probably gonna get a royalty on something they pick for shit. Yeah. So that's just you know just for the people that may not know. Gems. Absolute gems. That's it. That's. That's all at the end of the day is, is that is one of the main reasons why I started this podcast to enlighten the, the ignorance and the misconceptions of where people get stuck. And I think it's benefited benefiting producers in the long run to know from other producers that it is possible to get into different avenues and to not, you know, be stuck. Like you said, Cato sitting at home bitching on Facebook and writing paragraphs of what was me. Um, so final final thoughts. Um, uh, I'll start with uh, with Cato. If you wanna, you know, plug anything that's coming out soon. You know, social media, anything like that. Yeah, um, social media. You you can find me at Cato Producer, K A T O Producer, one word. 
Um, my website's catoonthetrack.com. That's where I ha- have links to sign up for my beat club. If you, you know, if anyone listening or watching is interested in just kind of getting a, a full education on the ever-changing music industry, crazy fucking world that we live in, um, you know, you can check out Beat Club. Um, and I'm, I'm working on a, a, a new EP exclusively with my artist, Jaron Benton, and it's going to be fucking amazing. Um, so, you know, um, just stay tuned. Stay, stay posted. Word up. Pal. Pal, I'll keep it short and sweet. The Alliance is coming out to Spotify, Tidal, iTunes, and all the above. Uh, collabs featuring Ratchet Gods, B Corn, Cardiac, J Rhodes, Jimmy Kendricks, December Moon, Grands, Matt Miro, Propane, Epic Pro, Duck Dodger, Knox Beats. Please pick that up. Please stream it for free. Do what you need to do. You will enjoy yourself. I promise that. There you go. And thank you, Technology, for having us on, bro. Yeah, thanks. Absolutely. Thank you guys for, as always, thank you guys for joining. And, uh, yeah, that concludes today. Peace out, y'all. Thank you for, for coming. Jay, November seventeenth. I don't even think I said the date. November seventeenth. Alliance. My bad. That's the drop date. <laughs> hey, respect, bro. I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be definitely looking for that. Checking checking that out. And uh, I would love to have you on Beat Club too to talk about talk more about the sync licensing world. And you yes. know, I, I know a lot of my producers and Beat Club are are curious about that side of the industry, and I think it's a great opportunity for them to learn. From someone who who obviously is doing it very well, so uh, thank you, man. Appreciate that, man. Much respect, man. I, I I've been fucking with the shit that you've been doing with Jaron for a while, man. So definitely much respect to that. And uh, I'm down. I'm down to do that. That shit, the beat club shit. I'm with it. Dope, dope. I'll, I'll get in for touch sure. with you about it. Yes, sir. Let's do it. Cool. Tech, good luck, man. No problem, y'all. Peace. Thank you, bro. Well, Peace.